right. Well, hi there, folks. Thanks for joining us for our uh, our ecumenical, as yet unnamed podcast. Um, my name is Tim. It's uh, it's great to have you here with us. I'm Tim from uh, from Young United Church in Winnipeg, and I'm joined by uh, by Gwen from um, uh, St. Matthew's Anglican Church, and uh, and Tyler from Gloria Day Lutheran Church. And it's uh, it's great to be here together. And so. Today was my turn to pick the topic, and so I, uh, I was thinking about this, and while I was thinking about it, I was getting just overwhelmed by everything, by, you know, whether it's the election in the U.S. or, you know, constantly shifting COVID restrictions, which, uh, which uh, we're, we're in Winnipeg, so those are, we're at a time when they're getting more stringent, and um, just so much of the world, work-life balance, all that's shifting, and we're all trying to grapple with it. And I realized, um, as I was, you know, just adding this in the back of my brain, I realized I, I don't know where I'm getting my energy from these days. Um, I don't have a, a, a way that grounds me before her COVID-19 hit. Yeah. I had you know, my, my, my faith community, my spiritual practices, um, as part of a, a mainline Protestant denomination, uh, we have our specific practices that, that, that we do, um, which, I mean, we may not even recognize them as practices, but they're, they're life giving in and of themselves. And without that, without, with all this shift, with all this change, um, I'm, I'm finding myself pretty, pretty worn, worn down. And so I thought, well, I wonder what, you know, Tyler and Gwen are doing uh, for for spiritual practices. How that's shifted. What 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 practices uh, were part of their communities before this happened, and how those have continued, and and how they've shifted, and uh, and what uh, what uh, what spiritual practice looks like in the age of of uh, of COVID nineteen. So with that, I'm gonna put it out to you two and and ask, what does uh, spiritual practice look like for you two in uh, in the age of COVID-19? I would say for um, the community where I serve um, to speak about the community's experience, there was a lot of anxiety in March when all of this went down. Um, I would say on, um, I'll, I'll just give you a date and then back up from that just to set the stage a little bit. It was March 17th when we made the decision to suspend worship services. And it was on March 8th that we started sort of realized this is something that's hitting home um, close to us that may actually affect our community life. And um, by then we had things like hand sanitizer and we had gone to elbow bumps for sharing the peace and that kind of thing. But, um, but it was still a very much in-person physical thing. It always had been. And I'm relatively new to the community. I just, began serving in December and certainly in March, it was just a few months into my call there. And so the thought of going online was really not in anybody's mind, but on um, March 15th, I guess it was, was the Sunday morning. We were talking, you know, we're going to be clamping down on physical touch. We're going to be using more sanitizer and we're going to be taking special care in the preparation of communion trays and those kinds of things. We, but we, we foresaw continuing services. We started to think about what we would do for a couple of weeks. If we needed to actually stay home for a couple of weeks, we certainly didn't expect it to be a longer term thing. Um, and in terms of maybe sending home a physical bulletin or some 
in print kind of devotional material and that kind of thing. But when we got the directive from the prime minister, it was on CBC and all the news networks, stay home. That was on Monday, March 16th, that I, as I recall it. And then um, after some conversation with my council chair, we made the decision as a congregation to suspend worship services on the 17th. In the, in the days afterwards, leading up to the following Sunday, we kind of had to jump online. <laughs> there were, the congregation I served didn't have a website before. We had used Facebook just a little bit. And, um, and Zoom was certainly a foreign thing altogether in terms of trying to do some kind of in-person gathering. But within a matter of days, really, we, we did that. We, um, we prepared a video that we uploaded to YouTube because I had some comfort level and some experience doing some of that and, um, and then connected via Zoom. Now I would say that in the first few weeks of doing this, it didn't feel real. It didn't feel like something, it felt like a tie over. It was something mm -hmm. we were just kind of doing, figuring that we'd get back into um, physical safe space soon enough. And, um, and I think the spiritual practice side of things, the pattern that we've sort of moved into that is, um, that gives some grounding and some, um, some comfort to our community um, has developed. And that probably even developed um, more as we got, I don't know when the threshold was, but probably sometime in late May, June, when we were sort of like, this is the long haul. Um, that uh, people started sort of going, yeah, I can, I can do Zoom. Um, I'll tune in for a virtual coffee hour midweek every week. I'll tune in for a Bible study on Sunday. And, um, and then I know to go to YouTube for our virtual online worship service kind of thing. So that's largely been the spiritual practice of the community through this time. I think there's been individual pieces as well that... Um, I've heard people speak about and that I've taken on myself, but I'll let somebody else talk for a bit about your experiences. Well, I've seen uh, what both of you have had online and uh, appreciated a lot. And what we did was a lot, you know, lower level DIY. <laughs> but one of the main central practices or spiritual practices for Anglicans or most Anglicans is uh, the communion, which can only really be done together. And uh, we had a few Zoom communions in the summer, but not having communion has led me to actually being more interested again in more diverse solitary spiritual practices than I have been in a while because you know my, my world is, is like leading spiritual practice, right? So <laughs> I haven't spent as much time on spiritual practices outside of centering prayer, which is a, um, a meditation uh, for a long time. But I found myself, especially by this fall, really getting kind of yearning again for um, more structured solitary practices. And so one of the things I've been doing is listening to Teze songs, um, just having them on and uh, they're, they're short, repetitive, but contemplative songs. Um, Teze and Teze type songs, because there's mm. Teze songs that are actually from Teze in France. But um, that, that kind of uh, repetitive, but mantra-like uh, worship has, has been helpful for me at home. 
And I also really got into uh, prayer beads again. I really like them because there's a way to go into it. And then there's um, a way to frame different parts of it. And then there's a way to come out of it again, which is the same way you went in. And so it's it sort of holds things for me in a way that just praying without structure doesn't do. And part of the reason I've come to appreciate that is because of all the negative news, how depressing things can be, um, how distressed a lot of people around me are. And well, I preached on this last Sunday, and it, but it was, it was really quite experimental for me because I was thinking about holding the truth, the hard truth, right? Because denial is just going to um, be worse for us, right? We need to face the hard truths about our world, about our society, about where things are at, about the fact that, you know, 2021 might not be any better than 2020, right? <laughs> we need to be able to hold these things, but if we hold them without any sort of framing, they can burn us. And so I was thinking of it like oven mitts or um, or like the sandwich with the bread and like like the beads where you have these frames that hold the, the pieces. You know, you're maybe praying, praying for seven people but you uh, and you're worried about them or seven things you're worried about, but you have these things framing them on both sides to help hold it. And so I've been thinking a lot about that in terms of... Um, media consumption and making a sandwich of it. So you've got these hard truths, but in a sandwich, you always have more bread than filling, right? So the bread, you want to have the bread of, of um, positive things, good things in your life. So, so praying with beads is a practice for framing things, but, um, in my life media consumption, I'm, I'm trying to make that, make it a practice now to hold it with uh, consuming something positive and local and, and personal or um, hopeful or uh, beautiful or something like that on both sides of, of dealing with the ugliness of um, what we're getting in some of the media. So that's so a like big spiritual practice for me right now. I like, I like that idea of that, that spiritual practice helps sort of frame the rest of the world. Uh, would that be a fair way of me saying? Mm -hmm. It gives yeah. shape. It gives yeah. shape to it and, and frames it. And uh, I, I like that oven mitt analogy. I mean, something, something that, that comes back to me as you say that is this sense of um, you, you don't know what you've got till it's gone. Uh, so, so without, you know, I mean, we've been in this situation for, you know, we're in the eighth month, which is kind of hard to, to believe uh, the eighth month of this. And it's like, what, what are those things that I do miss, which maybe I didn't even recognize as helping me frame the world or giving me that grounding with which to look at the world until they're gone. You know, I, I, you said Taze. I know music is a huge part of, of Young United Church and I'm not a big music guy, um, but, but yeah, what, what, what is it when that music, that, that, that practice of singing together, uh, which, which I think is a, a, a real spiritual practice, again, not often held up as much, but what, what happens to us when that's gone? You know, how do we, 
that's why I like that image. It's like we're grabbing the hot stuff out of the oven without gloves on because, you know, we don't have that, you know, whatever it is to, to, to frame it all in. Yeah. So what, what practices then would you be missing? Uh, I'm hearing what, what you've got now, what ones are you missing from, uh, from before? Um, Or has what you're doing now, has that translated well for you? Well, I mentioned communion earlier. Mm, mm-hmm. um, I know that a lot of my people, there's there's some people who come to church are more there for the sermon. There's some who come are there, more there for the community and some are really there for the communion. And those folks uh, also, a lot of our folks mm. that are really there for the communion also don't have internet. And so I know they're missing it. And uh, I am too, uh, mm. because it's that chance to every week to sort of reevaluate and recommit to what matters in life um, to reopen. So that's a big one for me, but yeah, gathering together and singing, I think is huge. Mm-hmm. How about you, Tyler? Yeah, I was going to say communion. That's definitely the biggest. Um, we've tried to meet that sort of communal need with online Eucharist. It's not the same. <laughs> um, the way <clears throat> I've Um, spoken about it with my people and the way they've also responded to our conversation about it. We we've said, we're not going to do it as a video. So we'll do it as a, a zoom thing where there's some live real time face to face interaction. Um, But um, I'm, I'm aware of other congregations that do it as a video kind of thing. And, uh, and so I know that there's communities out there trying to meet that need, but it's not the same. And I'm not sure, I think there's also a little bit of sort of predicted grief that's in all of this too. What's it going to be like when we do go back? Like we we can do communion in a safe way with crackers and juice in my home, on the coffee table, in my living room or something. But will we be able to use a loaf of bread like ever again? <laughs> I hope so, but it may be a while. Um will we be able to have a common cup? I mean, even in March, we were um, moving away from that. Uh, and, uh, and that's central to what we believe about the practice of that sacrament. And um, so, so now I want to kind of probe a little bit about your theologies of communion. And I ask this because, you know, I would suggest of the three of us, uh, our, our three denominations, the United Church would have the maybe not um, theologically the lowest view of communion, but probably practically, I would suspect, uh, our attendees would have a less high view of communion. You know, I've, I've been a part of congregations where it's not, uh, oh, how often do we get to have communion so much as, well, what's the minimum we have to have communion? Uh, and, and so, you know, the United Church... I might get corrected on this. It has a minimum. You have to have it four times a year. And this isn't for everyone. I don't want to paint everyone in the United Church of the same brush or anything like that. But it isn't held as high as I think it is in the Lutheran Church and the Anglican Church. And so what I noticed for myself, we did it by Zoom for the first time um, for Sunday of October. And it meant a lot to me. And I was kind of surprised by that because often it doesn't mean that much to me. Maybe it's because my head is in another place and I'm worried about it all happening. 
but I've never had that high of a view of, of, of communion. And so I'm curious because both of you have held that up as something that you miss. Um, so I, I, I'm asking you to kind of stretch that out a little bit more for my sake. Before I was Anglican, I didn't really, well, actually that's not true. Before I started um, celebrating with a, a, yeah, celebrating, taking communion, maybe is more appropriate to say, with um, Lutherans on a campus, I didn't really get a lot out of communion. To be honest, it just felt weird. Mm. <laughs> it felt like this weird thing that we should do. And I think that's the thing about practices, is that when you do them all the time, then whether or not those certain things are supposed to come with the practice, your spirit can find things in the practice. Mm. So I think that that's happened for me with communion and so it it um for me i coming out of an evangelical background i have kind of an altar call theology of communion that every week we go you know we choose again we decide again am i going to keep opening up more am i going to close down more hmm. am i going to open to receiving and giving as christ did um or and does for us or am i going to uh, be too busy for that, right? So it's it's kind of that chance again and again to do that. I, I think a lot of Anglicans don't see it really in in or wouldn't frame it that way, wouldn't talk about it that way. But for me, that's what it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, in terms of our church's practice, I'm aware of quite a few Lutherans who are doing some form of online Eucharist. So it's it's a permitted thing to do. Um, we in terms of our um, theology, each pastor is essentially a bishop in their local context. So we're not needing to get the permission of um, sort of our church hierarchy that way. Um, so we did it as something to, first we asked the question and in Gloria Day, we asked the question, is this something people would want? And I will say that early in the time of the pandemic, like it would have been, I said, March 17th that we decided to suspend services. Well, um, Easter rolled around within that first month, mm. April 12th or whatever it was. And so part of Holy Week in the lead up to Easter is Maundy Thursday. And that's mm -hmm. the story of the Last Supper. That's uh, sort of the origins of this sacrament, at least as far as the story goes. And, um, and so... I asked our worship committee to start and, uh, and then just a few people who had been on our zoom meetings, would you like something? Do you, do you want to try an agape meal? So that's what we did on uh, Monday, Thursday. And then beyond that, um, we had a little bit more conversation and as the weeks went on. And um, by the beginning of May, we sort of instituted a, on the first Sunday of the month, we'll have online Eucharist. I mean, for me, the, the, this past little while is, is just been a, you know, I, gosh, I'd really like to be communion doing it every week now. Like there's this, this sort of growing desire in its absence for something I didn't even realize I missed. Um, uh, uh, like, like a longing for that. And I don't know what it is about it. I'm not sure what it is. I'll have to do some, some sitting with that because I mean, when you think about communion, it's pretty weird, right? I mean, it's a really weird thing. And for anyone on the outside of the church looking in, it's like, okay, yeah. Like, 
I mean, that's what the, that, that was one of the charges against the church in the early church was like, they're cannibals, right? They, they eat bodies. Like, that's not good. Um, and, not and good. yeah, <laughs> like, no, no. And, uh, and so that was an early charge used against the church. And, and I kind of get that charge, like, you know, but it being absent has reminded me that there, there's something in there and I don't know what it is. Um, and maybe that's it. Maybe it's just this, this, you know, dipping your toe in mystery. And, and, and that's, that's what, that's, that's enough. If, if you don't have a high theology of it, maybe it's just, okay, dip your toe in this mystery and just be in contact with whatever this mystery is. And, you know, and then when it's done, it's done and you pull your foot back out and you do it again next week. And then you do it again the next week. And that's just what it is. It's your little access to, to, to mystery. Um, I would say for me, in addition to that, like, mm -hmm. um, it's also, a um, a tangible reminder that we are all the same. I mean, mm -hmm. in the Lutheran tradition, we have, um, baptism and communion as our two sacraments mm -hmm. and we all come into the world the same way. We all exit the world in the same way. And it's the same coming to the table. It doesn't matter if you're a billionaire or if you're struggling on the streets, um, everybody comes to the table, everybody receives from the same loaf, everyone receives from the same cup. And, and so that becomes part of the image that I hold dearly in the sacraments as well. Mm -hmm. um, so, so that's part of, I, I miss that. It becomes that constant reminder if we're doing it weekly um, for the people that are there, it becomes a constant invitation um, for those who might be new to the community um, that we we're just not able to offer the same way in this time. <clears throat> I, I wonder if there's something about that, that community sense of it, I think is a big part of it. Um, there's this sense of, you know, there's these mundane things of, of, of wheat and water or wheat and wine, which are pretty earthly. And that's what makes up all our bodies. And there's something holy about that. Hey, um, humbling and holy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's very, very incarnational. Is that, that what you said? Gwen incarnational? Yes, sorry. Yeah. 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 I, th I think you're right. Gwen. Um, My yeah. sense, um, when we're doing faith community, well, there we're doing it as sort of an alternative to society around us. Hmm. Um, I would say I'm not a super disciplined spiritual practices kind of person. Um, I, I don't like get up at five in the morning and read scripture or pray or those kinds of things. Um, but, um, but it matters to me to journey with others. And it matters to me to do things um, like eating together, whether it's through the ritual of communion or potluck meals. It matters to me to share stories together, whether it's our own sort of personal journey or the ancestors of the faith. Um, it matters to me to sing together. And, um, and those are things that we don't really do in other days of the week and, and regular sort of social interactions in society. And um, so those become sort of um, integral pieces to me in journeying with a faith community. Um, and I'm not saying it's just Lutheran. I'm not saying it's just our denominations or just Christianity. I think that's faith community. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think there's different ways in which 
um, our Muslim neighbors have eaten ritually together as well as had feasts together and um, have shared stories and sung songs and those kinds of things as well. And um, so those are pieces that it's hard to do when you're not in physical contact. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, in this time, that, that's been a, a challenge, I think. Well, it's one of those things that, that practices untethered from community are a little bit, I don't know, that rubs me the wrong way sometimes. Um, uh, you know, where it's like, oh, I'll just do this from that group and this from that group and this from that group and this from that group. And right. that's what I need when it's untethered from community, when it's untethered from, and even if that community isn't a big one now, but the community stretches back a thousand, two thousand years, right? I mean, that's, you know, when we talk about being together and taking communion together, I guess we're participating in this, not just with the people around us in physical space, but in temporal space too, or temporal yeah. space. Um, and well, it's kind of turned into a conversation around communion and that, that's okay. That opens up, I guess, future chats about scripture reading. and. Uh, well, another piece in terms of um, spiritual practices, or at least the, the journey of faith community in this time that I've found um, uh obviously difficult but layers of difficulty is is death hmm. um in the time that i've been at gloria day we've had about a about six people have died hmm. and um i mean and so most of that time has been during this isolation time i um, i think four or five of them have been um since march and uh so what do you do when you can't have gatherings of more than 10 people or, or right now it's like five people. Um, what do you do when you can't be inside together? What do you do if you have to wear a mask whenever you're um, with any sort of number of people, like all those things start to um, pull away at the celebration of life that family want. It starts to make the grieving process that much more difficult. And um yeah, I, I think we can do what we can to work with the images and the sounds and the music, but it's it's still, it's difficult not doing it in person. Yeah. I mean, that's a time when you, when it really matters that a large community gather together, that it really matters for people to be present because that's their chance to um, be part of that grieving process and, and part of that reaffirming community and relationship process. Um, uh, the grieving part, I think is, is something I've also been thinking about with spiritual practice at this time that you know we, we can't grieve together as much. We can't do the lament together as much. And so we're doing it alone or you know, with whomever we can talk to. Um, and I know some people have been using the Psalms of lament um, I've never figured out what I'm missing yet in the Psalms because I know a lot of people find the Psalms really important and uh, people who have been mentors to me have um, practiced reading a Psalm every day and sitting with it. And I haven't gotten that yet, but I'm kind of thinking now maybe I should go look into the Psalms of lament, the Psalms of of just expressing um, and expressing held by God, the that things suck, you know, and that there, there's something 
helpful about doing that. Um, that I, I, I'm thinking about encouraging, maybe in a, a newsletter or something, encouraging members of our church family to take some time and do that if, if, if they feel like that's something that might help because we're not getting the other practices that we're used to, the other rituals. Um, I think I, I think I'm going to hold it there because I think that's a good note to to leave hanging on a little bit and just let that uh, that process our hearts a little bit, uh, let it do its work. Um, that that sense of grief and practice and being alone and what does community look like? Because uh, I think a lot of people are there. Um, so let's uh, let's let's wrap up with a blessing. Does that work for you? As we carry this time with us, this age of COVID, this age of partisanship, this age of uh, sorrow, this age of grief, may you go into the world, whatever that looks like, with a community around you, uh, a community of love and care, perhaps not physically close, but a community that stretches back thousands of years. May you go into the world embraced by the presence of the Spirit that guides you forward. Amen.